In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, Word of God, reveal more of yourself to us through your presence in the Bible. Led by the Holy Spirit, guide our time of reflection. May it increase our desire for you in the Scripture and in the sacrament. Amen. Welcome back to Sunday Setup, the weekly podcast show that prepares you for the readings you'll hear at Mass this Sunday. There's a whole slew of different reading options available for this particular Sunday. Since it's our first time through the liturgical year, we'll stick with the customary first and second readings for the celebration of the baptism of the Lord. We're once again with our old friend Isaiah in the first reading. The excerpt from Mass this Sunday is one of four poems in Isaiah's writings called The Servant Songs. And you guessed it, these poems have a common theme about God's servant. Just who is this servant and mine in our first reading? That's been a scholarly debate for centuries. Some say it's the nation of Israel. Others say King Cyrus, who set the Israelites free from Babylonian captivity. Some say Moses. And there's still other theories beyond that. As you've heard me say before, we just don't know the answer for sure. And quite honestly, to try to pinpoint the particular servant envisioned by this poem to the exclusion of the possible others does injustice to the work. It's poetry, after all. Our passage can be broken into two sections. Verses 1 through 4 present the servant, while verses 6 through 7 are direct words that God speaks to this servant. Take particular note of the servant's description. The servant of God is in stark contrast to so many other rulers and kings of the time. His power does not arise from conflict and brute force. Just the opposite. A bruised reed he shall not break, and a smoldering wick he shall not quench. This is God's answer to the world's tyrants and oppressors, justice brought about not by violence, but through gentle humility. The best way to approach our second reading is to give the background that precedes it. We're in the 10th chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. There, we meet Cornelius, a God-fearing Roman soldier who would give alms to the Jews and would pray to God constantly. One day, he has a vision, and an angel tells him to get in touch with Peter, who's currently a day's journey away. Cornelius sends emissaries to bring Peter back to him. When they successfully do this, Cornelius tells Peter about the vision he had, and then basically says to him, Look, I'm all ears. Right then, after Cornelius has invited Peter to speak, is where our second reading picks up. And in it, Peter acknowledges that God shows no partiality. Rather, in every nation, whoever fears him and acts uprightly is acceptable to him. Finally, the gospel. Of course, as we celebrate the baptism of the Lord this weekend, our gospel is St. Mark's account of this story. We hear that in the lead-up to this story, before Jesus appears to be baptized, John the Baptist says that he's not even worthy to stoop and loosen the thongs of his sandals. This was something that was considered such a menial task that, at the time, it was the limit to which a student could serve his teacher. But what's John the Baptist's point? Jesus is far greater than he is. But take note of how Mark's account of Jesus' baptism differs from those of the other Gospels. Mark tells us that Jesus is the only one here who sees the heavens open and the Spirit descend. The wording is clear. On coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open. The verb is in the singular. It seems as though only Jesus observes the heavens opening, the Spirit descending, and the voice speaking. Without debating whether this is actually historical or not, that is, did only Jesus see this event or did others there also witness it, what we can acknowledge is that Mark uses this as a literary device. Saying that only Jesus sees the Spirit and hears the voice, but then telling the reader about it also, gives the reader a privileged insight into Jesus that the rest of the characters don't yet have. 
As the audience progresses through Mark's gospel, they know that the Spirit came to rest on Jesus like a dove, and they know that the voice from heaven acknowledged favor upon him. But the rest of the characters don't know this. Think of all of this like Finding Nemo, and there's not going to be a spoiler alert here. As the movie progresses, we know that Nemo is still alive and is in a fish tank at a dentist's office in Sydney, Australia. But his father, Marlin, along with Dory, don't know this. The audience knows something the rest of the characters won't come to know until later on. All of this is important because, in Mark's Gospel, we'll often see what's called the Markin secret. Jesus telling people, don't tell anyone, after they've witnessed a miracle. It can be confusing at times why Jesus would say this. But this literary device, a withholding of Jesus' true identity to characters until the very end of the story, makes sense when, towards the very end of Mark's gospel, a Roman soldier will look upon Jesus expired on the cross and say, truly, this man was the Son of God. At that moment, what the reader had known since the first ten verses of the gospel, and what others had come to experience throughout the story, now becomes apparent. So that's it. That's your Sunday setup for this Sunday, the baptism of the Lord in year B. May this knowledge of the story behind the scripture allow you to encounter Jesus Christ in a new way this weekend. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.